Doctor Who, Episode 11, The God Complex. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm Swindon Dobson. And I'm Sarah Barrow. What did you think, Swithin? Um... I quite liked it. Um, the whole setup is rather intriguing, quite surreal, and so it's generally an aesthetic I like. The, the whole idea would be later find out that the it's actually feeding on faith, but using fear to get them to fall back on it, so it comes in its most essence, to, um, condensed form, so it can feed on it. Is interesting and explores things in a reasonably intriguing way. There are a few problems which I'll, we'll get to throughout the episode, but um, they're not fundamental this time. <laughs> As I've had to ask, <laughs> are they fundamental problems? Sarah, what were your thoughts? I liked it. There were... I, 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 dare, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I agreed with Swithin. There are a few points I uh, I don't don't like, um, but generally I quite like There were some nice scenes, um, and it's another quite well-directed mm. episode. There were some really nice shots which again we'll get to as we watch it, but uh, but yeah, unfortunately some flaws. Mm-hmm. I, I I really enjoyed this episode, and I thought it's continuing a strong run from last week. Mm. And one of the things I liked was that how it seemed to follow on quite well from what had happened last week in terms of the characters and their relationships. I mean, it's very significant that Amy still. Her, her faith is in the Doctor, whereas Rory completely doesn't have any faith in the Doctor. Uh, or indeed in anything else, it seems, which we'll get to. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and then, of course, the ending with Amy and Rory leaving the Doctor and him realising the effect he has had on their lives and just how dangerous he is, basically. I thought that's quite an interesting uh, line to go down. I think there's a danger with exploring that in Doctor Who, though, because uh, obviously if you stop to think about it, the Doctor whisking people off for adventures in time and space, fighting Daleks and monsters and stuff, is terribly irresponsible. <laughs> uh, but you pretty much need that for the series to take place. Yes. And yeah. it's one of those things that um, uh, I think uh, it's, yeah, there's a danger of undermining the... Uh, concept of the series if you can't justify that in some way or skate over that in some way. I think it's all about what's going to happen with the reset at the end of the series. It's what they've been trying to foreshadow. Mm. Um, I generally don't like it a huge amount because it, it just seems a little jarring. The mm. fact that the Doctor, oh yes, he causes these problems and clearly on aggregate, you, you, you do better than you fail. And you know, it's not as if they couldn't come along. Mm. You know, Interesting, I know, interesting in this context, actually, is when Tegan leaves in Resurrection of the Daleks. Oh, yes. Because she's had enough of death and killing and then leaves. Mm. And that's how she leaves it. So that cuts in quite interestingly with this. Um, Mm. Yeah, because I think I do really like the sense of danger 
uh, that travelling with the Doctor isn't safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, then... Uh, well, it's part of the problem with having the Doctor able to pilot the TARDIS easily back to any point in time and space. Bring back the TARDIS it doesn't work. Because obviously <laughs> in the uh, 60s they didn't have any choice. It, the whole drama was about could they get home. And mm. um, uh, that might be something perhaps that would be worth revisiting. But alternatively, just having... Um, uh, the choice of the companions to um, uh, to go along with the Doctor and for it to be something like an apprenticeship, as it were. And the, the kind of ending for Exit for a Companion that we haven't really seen uh, in the show that I'd really like to see is for the Companion to have learned from the Doctor but decide that, oh, actually in terms of fighting evil and injustice uh, there's plenty to do um, in the world that I can make more of a difference um, uh, by staying on planet Earth. Stephen? Martha? How did Martha leave? Yeah, but she went off to fight, join unit and uh, uh, torchwood and stuff, Mm. and it was fighting aliens rather than fighting. I don't remember. Did she leave him though? Yeah, she left. She did make the choice rather than this him leaving her, which is the the theme we've had for most of the companions in New Who. Yes. Didn't, if I remember right, Stephen Stephen stayed on the planet of the the savages, savages, yeah. And this Uh, I remember from the savages was really good from the audio story that I I remember. (laughs) But yes, I was going to say Stephen and um, Sam Jones in the uh, Eighth Doctor novels does something uh, Mm. similar. in interference by the infamous Lawrence yeah. Miles. Now, there's lots that's wrong with interference, um, but I really like the concept of the companion leaving in that way. But we're ram- rambling rather a lot, so let's get on with uh, discussing the actual episode in in hand. Uh, so, if you're listening along uh, at home, press play now. So this is written by Toby uh, Whithouse, who previously wrote School Reunion and Vampires of Venice, mm-hmm. uh, and is showrunner on Being Human. Interestingly, uh, in Being Human Series 3, you have the characters go to Purgatory, and in there there were rooms with characters' fears in them. So this is quite a similar concept. Do we have any literary source earlier than 1984 for that kind of punishment because that's the earliest I know of which is 1948 because the whole room 101 is essentially the same idea to some extent you see what you most fear Mm. is there there anything earlier than that you know of it's the earliest I know you don't know what's going to be in your until you see I don't know just something occurred to me that's all um Did you find... How did you find this pre-title sequence? You, you know what? I, I was thinking of The Prisoner in Fallout <laughs> right to the end. I was expecting to pull his mask off and reveal his own face. I, I thought there was something slightly prisoner-esque about the surrealism in this episode. Oh, especially with the dummies and things yeah. tied up. is very, very odd. <laughs> 
It's, it's not surprising why I liked it as much as I did because <laughs> of that. Um, we do have another pre-title sequence that ends in screaming again. <laughs> but uh, this is, of course, the same director as last week's. Oh, is it? Uh, Mark Strong, is it? No. Oh no. And some good old monster point of view shots. Uh, Nick Nick Haram. Nick Haram. Okay. It, it, interesting. Athletes. You've got the sound of screaming, even though she seems to have her voice, her mouth yeah. closed. Ah, just throw it in there. <laughs> it seems to be the sort of because they do the the double shots, don't they? Of mm, yeah. Screaming and her smiling. Yeah. So I think it's another one of those, mm, which they use for all the possessed people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, actually. Yeah, I did really like that it's tackling these themes of uh, faith and uh, so on, which Doctor Who occasionally touches on. Mm. Uh, the Satan Pit, for example, and um, uh, what's it called? The one with the cars, Gridlock, which mm. was also really good. And uh, yeah, I think just uh, it does add to the. Uh, scope and texture of the show to touch on those themes. They used to touch on it a little more in going back to the 70s again. Uh, when Barry Letts was a uh, producer, mm. it did take on a somewhat of a uh, Buddhist vibe. Mm, yes. um, of course, the cheese plant. The cheese plant. Uh, the mutants seems very much in that mould. Mm-hmm. sort of anti-colonial um, thing but um, it has been something that's done before but I think from the 80s onwards when mm. it was trying to be Star Wars like yeah play spot the monsters on the wall mm. I've got a Sontar in here I think there's also a shot of um, one of the production team uh, what's his name Marcus some one uh, one of the guys who pops up on Confidential quite often. Catman. Oh, there it is. Um, he was. Is the Silurian a better? There's a picture of this one. Yeah, there's a Silurian. He kind of looks like Employee of the Mum pictures. It is slightly, yeah. <laughs> there's a thing, he's like, Is it Employee of the Mum? Oh, what's all that about? Oh, and then we have all our other inmates. Yeah, including. Um, David Williams. Yes. And, oh, what's her name? Amarin Khan or something. She's been in other stuff. Mm. She's been in uh, the Darjeeling Limited, where Sanderson film. Saw that in the cinema. That was oh. quite. Well, it was the way that Anderson <laughs> film, so the, it wasn't pretty much what you expect in terms of whimsy and all that kind of thing. Like this is um, it's quite a knock to the end of the episode, isn't it? Him mm. joking about... Uh, which, actually, thinking about it, is... Does that count as a Moffat bingo? Joke turns out to be a significant plot point. What's the joke he makes? Sorry? He makes a joke about firing Amy and um, taking... Ah. The lady whose names I've forgotten um, as a companion. 
Oh, yeah. He, uh, he does actually... Oh, we haven't got the Moffat bingo cards on us. No. I hope you can remember. Well, I remembered on. one. There we go. <laughs> I remember those. Now, it's interesting because it's the third episode running where you've had some kind of artificial environment um, and particularly night terrors. Again, it was oh, yeah. the little boy's fears um, and a kind of enclosed environment of some description that's what I also felt with this a lot of the fears that were tending to be portrayed as their most kind of primal uh, kind of most deep-seated fears were those associated with childhood or at least up to adolescence when you get with uh, geeky CIA CIA blogger conspiracy man yeah well because his was his stutter wasn't it yeah Um, in front of girls she is um Obviously, it's her father. father yeah. Um, obviously, Amy is as Amelia. I suppose the only one who isn't. We'll probably come on to it later. Is what we think the Doctor's is, of course. What's the? Can we see what David Bangham's is? Um, yeah, that's the Weeping Angels. Oh, of course. Uh, yes. yes. Sorry. Oh, I see. That 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 would make sense. Mm. Okay. That. That's that's nice. I like that. Except the only thing I was thinking of when it was saying, oh, don't blink, was you can blink, they'll just move really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> like they did last time you saw them. Um, at this point, uh, well, we've got a bit of a break. Um, the whole hotel, the infinite hotel, reminds me of uh, Hilbert's Hotel, which is basically an idea of some guy... A mathematician who arguing against the idea that infinities could exist literally hmm. and so you had a hotel which is full yet it could double in size still have no vacancies yet double in size and still be full so this is kind of thinking like that because it's um, it's kind of no vacancies yet more people seem still coming hmm. I don't think it was actually deliberate but um, it reminds me of a dream I once had, which was that I arrived in a space that was infinite indoors, so it was just rooms and corridors going off um, up and down and left and right in all directions uh, endlessly, and it was apparently the afterlife, and uh, but it was the waiting room for the afterlife. And uh, we're all waiting around for uh, papers to come through uh, the <laughs> paperwork before we went through uh, to whatever next stage we were passing on. So it just seemed to be this slightly purgatorial, uh, just grey uh, bu- bureaucracy. And some someone somewhere had procured a tambourine and was trying to <laughs> sing, sing some jolly uh, <laughs> songs to uh, liven it up, but which was making it ten times as dreary. <laughs> Fair enough. Fantastic. Um, but, yeah. I've had quite a few dreams which involve arriving in the afterlife. It's very odd. <laughs> hmm. And I, I, I quite quite like this with oh, the yeah. ventriloquist dummies. It's yeah. uh, nice. Uh, Although not good for anyone who does actually have a fear of ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> no. At least there's no clown in this episode. There is. He's sat on the bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot the clown. He's not a significant <laughs> clown, though, was he? Repressed the clown. I don't particularly have a fear of clowns, but I know a lot of people do. Oh, the eighties tape. Love it. Why are you for? The, uh, ah, now is it the oranges and lemons tune? Is that what's playing? Does it matter? Sooner or later, someone will come along and risk it. I don't know. Oranges and lemons is the 
Is the it's what he sings. Oh. I'll, in a minute, it comes up. Here we are. Oh yeah. I'm actually to bed. I don't think it is the tune. No. Uh, it's, no. I remember oh. the nursery rhyme. Yeah. No, that was um, the lines of the nursery. Yeah. So, um, of the guest cast, we've got blogger stereotype. I mean, yeah. obviously, we uh, as someone who runs a blog, Impossible Podcast blog, uh, I've got a bit of a vested um, interest in denying this. Uh, well, I think I can show. deny it on the basis that I don't think I resemble him at all. I think <laughs> it's safe awesome. to say. I was, I was going to say, the original three members are all married now, so I think that uh, kind of uh, wipes yeah. that one off slightly. And I'm a girl. Yes, that was all the whole Whose was this? I don't know, this is interesting. Was, again, this was another like, kids one, wasn't it? You know, the it really is another kids one, scary yeah. kind of PE teacher. And I love that they play well, it as if it's, it's the Rory. doctors. Well, no, because he, he actually makes a point yeah. of saying that Rory doesn't have one. I just think it's there. Uh... Yeah, he's just a bit of a cliched character. That oh, he is. Scared um, of him. Yeah. I thought his fear was of hair dye then. <laughs> <laughs> and fake tan. Oh, yeah, fake tan. Yeah, he is a very... He is a bit of a... But to be fair, I I didn't mind it as much in this just because it's more of an ideas concept. Mm. And, I mean, you could have made him more interesting, but it's a peripheral issue, I would... Mm. It's a nice direction with the looking down the staircase Mm. shots. Mm. I always do like that. Dragon Dogs are trying to. Oh, is it, this is the Doctor trying to figure out how long it is and realizing it's actually mm. m- infinitely long? Because that's a classic one in detective fiction, is it? Figure out figuring that there's actually an extra floor to the building or the oh, extra yes. room, uh, which is always classic. And the first instance of Rory seeing his fire exit. Yeah, Rory's way out. Look. Conveniently, that piece of paper there. Uh, yeah. for, for plot exposition later on but just way out no body mm. now we we end up with a body of all the others but we don't end up with a body of the policewoman don't we isn't she let down on a like a or is that just no no because not, we have all the others it's just three of them isn't it at mm. the end yeah oh Maybe because she died before everyone else turned up. Do we actually know where... Because it is supposed to clear up that mm. the, you get the thing about things being left behind. Oh, here we have the cameo by the Weeping Angels. Which are their classic uh, patented lighting effects mm-hmm. <laughs> that are yeah. associated with them. Um Oh, so just to establish it there, not actually, they're kind of uh, holograms. Then. They're not real. No. No, I d- Do we see anybody else actually touch or another of the um, 
kind of fears and show them to actually be hollow. No, I don't think we see it again. No. But there is no damage to any of the bodies. Oh no, it's just when the Minotaur Man came. Yeah. Hmm. I, I like the way the Minotaur is introduced here, just the shot, <laughs> the glimpse through the peephole. He looks, um, reminds me somewhat of the Jadoon. Yeah. Mm. It's very similar. I thought that was a bit odd. Just slightly yeah. convenient. I mean, it kind of gets away with it by being a artificial environment mm. and everything. But, but you have to have David Williams' character has to untie our blogger mm. for him to escape. Oh, that's true. So minor, but doesn't really make much sense. Oh. What did you think of David Williams's uh, performance? I mean, um, he he's a very recognisable personality, oh, even yeah. under mm. the prosthetics. How, how do you think yeah. that came across? It's very easy to know it was him. Um, I didn't mind it. I don't. I liked what they did with the character because you could have just had him as the very sort of coward, cowardly character, but. Mm. I like that they do highlight that actually it's not just cowardice. Mm. Um, and there is actually something almost sinister with him. Um, yeah. Because, he, yeah, there must be more than cowardice if he's managed to, as a race, they've managed to survive so long. I, yeah, I thought with him it was quite nice because you have what's a fairly comedy, broad stereotype of the mm. coward, but then they do something interesting with it which they didn't do with the blogger guy mm. particularly. He eats the goldfish if you want something interesting oh, he, he seems to, yeah Yeah. well, or fish, whatever type of fish it was Yeah, I, I, I actually quite liked him in this uh, I was thinking of a surprise, because normally the kind of guest star characters like this tend to be quite irritating mm. But think, who are you thinking of, Susan? I read. Uh, oh well, Peter K. Peter K. Yeah, the I man with the is still going. <laughs> a whole series of that. Uh, <laughs> I think she was. Um, well, uh, I, I think it was. Um, she was better as a full-time companion. She got a bit less shouty. Unless that's screechy. I didn't like her in the Christmas special, but I liked her as a companion. Um, she was more sufferable than in the series. <laughs> Although when Peter and I, it, it was our last first commentary, yes. uh, was the um, uh, Runaway Bride, um, back when we first started with um, uh, Series 4, we started off by doing that, only it didn't record properly, we, didn't, <laughs> we pressed the wrong button on the dictaphone, so our very first commentary was lost forever, just spoken into the air, uh, but we did find that Catherine Tate does sh- shout rather less than we actually uh, thought she did in uh, the Christmas special, and uh, does get more character moments to give her... Her and Russell T Davies, um, they're due. No, I think um, Rita is really good. We get a good. I really liked uh, her, and performance. I'm, it's a shame that the, she dies because I didn't think <laughs> yeah. she was good. You, exp- you, you know that the ventriloquist, I don't know what his name is, mm. die is going to die. The bloggers pretty much had it, um, but I didn't think she would. 
Also, another point of cup of tea here, which we had in Night Terrors as well. The doctor seems to like his tea in the last he few does. episodes. That's true. But um, no, I quite I quite liked her character. She was yeah. very reminiscent of um, Martha mm. in uh, in her first episode when she becomes companion, not obviously when mm. she first stars in Doctor Who. Yeah, not just the uniform. I, I did I did begin to wonder whether they might set her up for a thing, but then I did suspect that they were just um, playing her as always possible companion mm. to tug on the heartstrings that bit more when she eventually does get got. Yeah, by there is also the foreshadowing, like some, at the beginning, where there's talk of you know replacing Amy, which of course is what. Mm. Are they uh, going on? Uh, past form with Freema and uh, with uh, Karen Gillan herself ha- having a pa- past appearance yeah. in the show is no bar to coming back as a companion she I do might- wonder whether she's had too much of a role yeah. because both Karen um, and Freema had very small um, mm. roles um, she's had quite a significant didn't stop Colin well, Baker she might have an identical cousin, like she might. Yes, that's true. I wouldn't mind. I quite like her. Okay. Yeah, but I think also she's a vehicle to introduce the faith aspect for the first time hmm. because she's a Muslim. Now I'm not entirely sure if uh, the Islamic theology is entirely correct. I need to. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know enough about well, on that. It, it, it's yeah. I, um, it's interesting because in uh, being human, um, faith became more of a issue in the second series because you had uh, Christian villains and a Christian um, sort of, well she turned out to be a baddie in the end but she was more sympathetic Mm. but I did find it annoyingly, annoyingly stereotyped and um, yeah it was just felt uh, like um, someone who tried to write Christian characters without bothering to talk to any actual real Christians um, uh, or understand uh, and just give them ominous, make them uh, quote scripture at random to sound ominous in various situations. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was annoying because I like being human uh, generally, but it was terribly cliched and it stopped me from believing in them as villains just because they were cliched. Rant over. Thank you. Back to Doctor Who. Oh, I like this bit now. That's an amusing line, but I mean the uh, the bit where the Doctor speaks to David Williams' character. What's his actual name, the character's name? Gibbis. Gibbis. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we get the reveal of um, how he survives all the time. Mm. He's sly cowardice. Yeah. She was say it was quite nice. The mannerisms of um, David Welland's character are, are glaringly obvious as David Welland's. Oh, yeah. It, it, it clearly is him. Mm. He was in the Doctor Who sketch, um, the Caves of Fear, I think it was, which was for the BBC Doctor Who night back in um, 1999, uh, which involved, which had Mark Gatiss as the Doctor. 
and it was basically the joke was these aliens turning up to menace the doctor and knocking on the door of the TARDIS a bit like door-to-door salesman <laughs> uh, but he was do- doing his best uh, we meet at last doctor type thing I think that was him in, in that I thought uh, it was quite creepy just the whole laughter and um, the taking over of their minds the sort of possession thing it was played quite nicely what is interesting to some extent I think is it's clearly bad that they're clearly supposed to be insane in the fact that they want to die Mm. before they are killed and then it also is a case that oh yeah, it's good for the uh, Mon, uh, Minotaur monster to die at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, now obviously there are completely different situations that are justified by the fact that he's been alive for ages and there's guilt and whatever. And of course he's not talking about himself uh, at that point. And then dies, but just that parallel to some extent at least could be noted. I was thinking. It's Rory with a mop. This, I think this bit's very well directed and put together, this mm. sequence here, which was shown as a preview clip at Comic-Con and was on the website as well. There's the clown I forgot. Clown on the bed. How's it going? Talk to the clown. <laughs> so, is he there all the time? Or who's clearly not any of the those two spheres? So no. They, they just kind of stay there. Oh, I see. That's why they were doing the... Um, yeah. The, yeah, the, the marks ceiling. on the ceiling, yeah. You think you could have made it a little taller? Well, that's what I... It, I think I said it when we got the preview last week, didn't it? It's actually a relatively small minotaur. Also, it's got more horns than the uh, the uh, original idea of the minotaur. This is a really odd I like set. I really like the set. Oh, yes, I did as well. But it's just really quite odd the way it's kind of put together. The multiple mirrors. Mm. It's interesting, um, just the whole thing of um, worship here, because it is presented in a very... Uh, negative light, the idea of having some being that uh, um, demands or uh, elicits worship. It's, it's a creepy thing as people going out of their minds. And our blogger's little sort of rant there does have much more of a religious faith slant on it than it's just a hmm. general slant yeah. of faith. It, it, it certainly sounds like, but, you know, Worship of God rather than worship worship of hmm. something else. Yeah, I've seen the lights. So. Yeah, I'm humbled by His Majesty. Things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I really like this mirrors scene. Oh, yeah. I, I love the use of multiple mirrors um, in sequences. It gives you this other idea of obviously we have a minotaur in what essentially is a, a labyrinth. Obviously, going back to the hmm. the Greek myth of um, Theseus and the minotaur in the labyrinth. So not only do you have the endless corridors, but you have all, what is essentially one room, which looks to be much bigger with the use of sort of fragmented mirrors. Hmm. 
The yeah. sorry, this as I mentioned earlier, um, this on oh, my bed and I you like, didn't on the podcast. No, I didn't. You invite you to repeat this. Point yes, then. yes. Um, no, I like this. This sequence is quite reminiscent to some extent of the Curse of Paladon, in which John Pertwee talks to the Paladon monster, who again is kind of like a dumb monster, and it's kind of a sympathetic kind of monster of sorts, and doesn't really want to do what it's doing, but kind of does. And uh, just the way it's all put together, it seems quite. Some of the things it runs through is, is reminds me of the Pertwee era, in parts. Um, I like the scene either sides of the uh, the sort of artificial waterfall, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. with glass yeah. in the middle. And it's Water also feature. a nice way of keeping the monster out of focus. And yeah, just not showing it too much. Yeah, he's, he's kind of um, Jadoon cross with E.T. Yeah, there's definitely a Jadoon feel about it. Do you think it is eyes? But obviously it's a good, a good idea of smashing glass. Which is always dramatic. Oh, I don't quite know. Nice use of the uh, pool of water, was it, to uh, get a nice reflection of Rory? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We also keep getting the black and white shots through the security cameras as well. Yeah. Which, of course, you get at the very beginning, don't you, with that opening hmm. shots of the uh, the hotel. That feeling of being watched. Yeah. And also just makes it look different than just more corridors. Yes, good way of breaking it up visually. Hmm. And that effect, I seven. Is that significant at all? I don't know. It's just that really the Doctor's is 11. Is 11. Yeah. yeah. Um... Or maybe it's actually 1-1. One, one. So I think himself it's just repeated single digit. <laughs> I think that's probably reading a bit much into it. Well, no, just in the fact he sends the note to himself, which is... Who is... Was this sent to number one? Yeah. He picks yeah. it himself. Who, who does the Doctor trust most in the universe? So, he, you know, it could, it could be Mark 2 of him or what, I don't know. I really wasn't just... Yeah, I think that's thinking mm. quite a lot. Because uh, it's interesting because it seems that the Doctor is both the person he trusts the most and the person he fears the most. Yeah. Well, that's the classic... Well, that's a kind of quite a, quite an existentialist vibe. Mm. You know, the person you... you, you is your, you, you glorify to yourself because you're the authenticated actor, but also that... Um, don't bother, cables I'm going to translate. Um, and, then, um, and then also the fact that the person you fear yourself most is, is, of course, yourself. You know, that's who you have to co- overcome, is yourself, to become truly free. Um, so that, that run that, is very David Wallace there. <laughs> that's where I was going with that. Yeah, because yeah, it's interesting here we have the whole thing of Rory not having this, a room. like this bit. I don't. Neither does Swithin. This is the bit that Swithin and I actually agree on. I don't like that Rory has no, um, no fear, or mainly what is obviously no faith, because I think you said before that it follows on quite well from last week. I think this is one bit that actually doesn't follow on very well from last week, because if I would have had Rory have faith in Amy, mm. and I think that's the one bit that doesn't follow last week's storyline between the two of them. I would have had. 
Rory having faith in Amy and Amy having faith in the Doctor and Brooke coming back to that sort of triangle again, which, of course, the writer of this episode is the first one that brought us that in um, The Vampires of Venice, which is when we get this triangle between the three of them, when mm. Rory joins them to travel. So I I don't like that they exclude Rory quite a bit and Southern's got bigger thoughts on this. Yeah, well, I, I think what's going on here is that it is quite... Um, critical of faith implicitly it's saying basically um, faith is something you fall back on and you need to grow up, move on and uh, stop waiting and uh, as it were take responsibility for your own actions Uh, but and so with Rory he's like the example of that he's learned to stand on his own two feet as it were but I think this actually shows the problem with that because Amy and uh, Rory's love and love for each other but also their faith in each other is a really good thing yeah and uh, for Amy to have for Rory to have faith in Amy there isn't anything wrong with that and I think there's um, the it's getting a bit too carried away with getting in a subtle dig at religion and it undermines the characters. Because it would have made much more sense for me to have Rory have faith in in Amy. And I don't think it would have impacted the storyline. It would have been quite easy for you to have a room that had it for Rory that had Amy in it some way. The fact that the room was trying to allow Rory a way out is not highly significant in the concept of the, the hotel. Um, and also, I mean, it does do that in that Amy is, is portrayed as almost weak um, for trusting in somebody else, in this case the Doctor. <laughs> and yeah, and the idea that she has to grow out of that and has to stop that. Mm. We've just had the Doctor's room, room 11, and uh, the cloister bell tolling, and he goes, uh, uh, of course, who else? Now, I think the smart money is on him seeing himself in there. Yeah. Safe to say, or possibly the Dream Lord is his is the dark side of himself. <laughs> yeah, of course, that's also possible. Um, or perhaps the Valyard. <laughs> Michael Jason's greater. This was uh, the Valyard was an evil future version, possible future version of the Doctor oh, okay. who showed up in an eighties story. It's terribly complicated and has never been referred to again. <laughs> I think it's probably safe we carry on in that set. So. It had some I good really ideas. Like this uh, talking of shots and things. Uh, mm. This is really nice. Again, with doing this whole scene over multiple black and white TV screens. Mm. Um, it's it's convenient that there's one that's a close up on her face. Yes, yes. There, I mean, they're obviously very conveniently placed ones. Plus, I'm not so sure a hotel would have three cameras pointing in the same direction. Mm. Or is this the idea that it's one camera? three different levels it uh, doesn't really work but don't I think it makes too much I quite like the the use of the scenes in this um, and also with the shadow of the Minotaur and Amy yeah, and Rory I mean it's a, a bit of a different take I mean it's normally the last phone call but is you can't see them hmm. only having a phone call but also you can see them at the same time but there's also a distance. Yeah. And and although, uh, and although I uh, said it is um, getting in its dig at faith, um, uh, it does treat um, 
the Rita and her beliefs quite respectfully and it is quite nice to have just a character who has a faith mm. and for that to be presented as something normal and just have them talk about that and mm. not be it's uh, uh, not be something completely ridiculous and here it adds a real poignancy to her being taken over by uh, the Minotaur's influence that is true, although the cynic says to me, she's a Muslim and therefore they have to. <laughs> yeah, you, you get the impression that they'd um, be less likely to give um, a Christian uh, as positive a portrayal just because yeah. there's more of a cynicism towards Christianity uh, just culturally. Even Andrew Marr admitted that. Was Andrew Marr admitted something along those lines? See, there are our three bodies, so we don't have the... Yeah, I was thinking there was the other one in there. I, I, liked, I liked this with the Doctor's anger. Mm. And I think oh, it does give... It does treat the deaths a lot more seriously than is sometimes the case in Doctor yeah. Who. And it's obviously with her action adventure type mm. thing like Doctor Who, you can't do that all the time, but it's no. nice to... It gives them weight to death some of the time. Yeah. In this scene, again, you see, look, you we're portraying Amy and Rory as a unit again. Yeah, that's also true. Um, and again, when we were talking about the scenes where we're watching Rita, um, Amy and Rory are going through looking for her together. They're, they spend a lot of this episode, you know, together. Also... I don't know if it means anything, but the Rubik's Cube is on the table again, which is also what he was playing with in uh, Small George's bedroom in Night Terrors. He was playing with it earlier on in the episode. Mm, yeah. But he's completed it now. He has completed it now, yes. Mm. He couldn't, which is funny because he couldn't do it in Night Terrors because he throws it across the room and then says, oh, it's always good to tidy up. <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah, but uh, you, you're, you're right with the Amy and Rory thing. Mm. Going back to last week's episode, though, I mean, you could make the case, even though it's pretty obvious that Amy's supposed to greatest fear of the doctor not turning up mm-hmm. um, is that you could argue to some extent that last week's episode undermines Amy's faith in the doctor if, it, if it, the future it, version of Amy actually has much mm-hmm. of an impact on Amy now I'm not saying it doesn't make any sense but I'm saying it pulls in a, a slightly different direction mm-hmm. yeah. well I, I think the point is is that uh, the young Amy still has her faith in mm. the Doctor, whereas the old Amy had lost it. Oh, yeah, I understand that, but I, I was thinking that the older Amy might have actually pulled the future Amy, having seen herself at a different point, mm. more towards a more standoffish, not standoffish, but less enamoured view of the mm. Doctor. I think it is quite nice, just the way it is. It does undercut the unfact. Um, infallibility of the Doctor. Mm. It does show that he does get things wrong and make mistakes and people do get hurt. Mm. And we get that as a theme in here. And, yeah. um, Just to... Here we have Amy saying uh, she now begins to say praise him, doesn't she? I don't know why Rory's shocked, because... Generally, always happens to either him or uh, Amy. Yeah. So uh, you know, we, yes, but it'd be unsufferable if it was so self-aware. 
<laughs> you have these really if you turn like Josh Whedon on speed <laughs> you know just just, just these, these awful smoke self-referential jokes all the time this is quite an amusing uh, again it's another knock to the Greek mythology yeah because it was the idea that's how Minotaur was uh, um, created was obviously the union between a, a female and a, and a bull the fact that Amy finds And here, here we have young Amy. Yay! Yay. It's always nice Amelia. to see um, Caitlin uh, backward. Let's just hope her parents don't squander all the money. <laughs> now, this is a nice echo of the curse of Fenric in which the Doctor has to destroy Ace's faith in him to... Because uh, in that, the monster, rather than feeding off faith is held back by faith and again faith generically not just religious faith um, and at a crucial moment he has to say things to break his companion's faith in him they quite literally cut Rory out of the scene they literally put him in a corner and put the door in front of him <laughs> this is entirely between the Doctor and Amy which it is and I think that as Cale pointed out before um, the main point of this sequence is Amy's supposed to rely on herself mm. and no longer in Doctor. Now, I do think the intercutting between young Amy and old Amy is quite nice. Mm, um, it is. But then I think there's a really paradoxical thing in the dialogue in which, yeah. I'm not sure if it's coming up just yet, very soon. It comes towards the end of the speech, yeah. yeah. Is that the Doctor refers to Amy, she says Amy Pond to start with, then refers to her as Amy Williams. And now up until this point, that has only been a joke in A Good Man Goes to War. And by seemingly referring to her by her married name would seem to imply some kind of faith or some leaning upon Rory, which is clearly against the whole point of his speech. Well, I think it's that she's um, accepting an identity that doesn't, uh, that isn't based on the Doctor, that is yeah. uh, accepting her normal life as opposed to her At the life beginning the of this episode, the Doctor actually, doctor actually reports, refers to... Amy and Rory as the ponds. He actually refers to the both of them when they're on the staircase when they first arrive. Oh. Um, and they're sort of, he's manically running around excited at the front where they've sort of appeared. Um, he okay. does refer to them both by Amy's mm. surname. But I think you're right, it, it's, it's a highlight that Amy Pond is the girl in the TARDIS, Amy Williams, potentially looking at the end of this episode, is the girl in the house with the car with the husband. Yeah. But I still think, you know, I, I, it's I, somewhat one sided when they don't set up Rory's faith in her. I think that's the. But. Yeah, I, I just think. I, I can see why. I can see your point, K11. And I think it does make sense, but I, I still don't think it gives us the consistency of, of tone that I think it was attempting. Just because it just. I think it just jars a little bit. I just like, oh, why? Um. Nice bit of do not disturb is um, kind of uh, still there, and there's a part of a hologram chopping down there. It's a mark to the whole we're delaying, you know, the walk towards the doctor's death. Mm-hmm. It's on hold. And clearly, is finding River, uh, the, the baby form, mm-hmm. which they seem to have given up finding the baby. I think it's the whole mark that. Because obviously they know she obviously survived because they've met her at several other lifetimes. It, it does make it easier to. Well, well, they know how she's grown up. 
That's supposed to be the point. I don't think they've handled it as well as they could have done, I think. Because uh, I don't think they are going to go back to her, because the whole yeah. idea is that the people who have stolen her do raise her in that way, because yeah. they raise her against as a weapon against, mm. which is what they, I think they try and handle it by the end of Let's Kill Hitler. I think that's it. I don't think we'll oh. go back to that. Yeah. I think Let Kill, Let's Kill Hitler shows that when they fail to save baby, yeah. baby, um, Turns That's it. She is raised as right, a weapon against okay. the doctor, and they can't interchange that with also to be ch- be to change Amy and Rory's personal timeline because they grew up with, with Mel. Mel, yeah. Uh, uh right. I so I think see. that's it. I think we've had right. it. Right. Okay, that makes more sense. Which does actually make it better because if you think well, we had that storyline all wrapped up in Let's Kill Hitler. It does make the following episode, so Night Terrors and the Girl Who Waited, and this one, sit much better when you think that they're not trying to find their daughter, and that's why. Right, yeah, okay. That, that was actually quite clever, actually, even though I dislike Mel's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, yeah, I think Caleb said it, it, yeah. it's maybe not I, as. I, I, I think clear. they should have still been shown to be grieving, just subtly acknowledged. Mm. I really liked that it did get a mention at the end of the episode that yeah. you have. Uh, Amy says about her baby, and I just think I I just think it um it's fine yes for them to move on and so on, but it needs some acknowledgement emotionally. What's what's the best thing at the end of the end of the series? Amy ends up being pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) A nice Tardis blue house for them. Yeah, with a Tardis blue door. As soon as I saw those houses, I immediately thought of the lodger, which then tied in with the next time trailer. The next time trailer, yeah. I I recognise those houses. I'm I'm sure I've been here in Cardiff. I've been trying to place where it is. (laughs) Uh, It looks quite Cardiff-y. She cut stone exteriors. I don't really know. The other shop has this other way. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, Amy and Rory leaving the TARDIS, what? Really? Ah. So apparently, uh, according to reports, they're signed up for the next series, although we don't know whether that's in a capacity as full-time companions or not. Well, both of them are. Or just Karen Gillan? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, I hope because, both. Because I, heard that, I heard that Rory was going to be his last season. Oh, no! I that's, like that's what I had heard, and he got a gig doing some Shakespeare, I think. We'll have to start a get, uh, bring back Rory. Olivia will join me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and, of course, we've... we've uh, Toby Whithouse has done this before this scene because of course he wrote School Reunion mm. which is the return of Sarah Jane correct um, and we have another scene between the Doctor and Sarah Jane um, outside the TARDIS <sighs> looks a little bit like the uh, oh Miskin Street it's not it, no it's not the, the other shot with the park for a moment, I thought with the biggest, scarier adventure that there's going to be the sound of a baby crying and Rory <laughs> well, had come out with the baby. Suggest, yeah. Yeah. I, I be was... like, you found baby melody. Yeah. And the river song never existed. Oh, what a shame. Mm, we can all I, I, I thought this was very well hand, 
hand, although I did like these scenes mm. and just the sense of the doctor preparing for his death. Now, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Amy and Rory, but it is a... Two episodes left, are not we? Is this episode 11? This is episode 11. So two more. But then I also like the scene that Toby wrote between the Doctor and Sarah Jane. Mm. That was also quite a very nice scene of um, of them saying goodbye. See, the thing is, I didn't read it as the Doctor preparing for his death. I just thought he decided that he'd become... He, his influence was so negative on his companions. That but the, um, the Minotaur gives him the reminder, doesn't he? Because um, he's saying that... It's a relief for the Minotaur to die because he's wandering aimlessly round this. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that the Doctor is wandering aimlessly round time and, and space die. and actually it would be a relief to die. So there's that. There's a very big sort of uh, knock to his death there, which mm. which may be... Um, yeah. Does Rory come out with three or two glasses? I couldn't see the first time around and I missed it again. Uh, I, I assume he came out with three because mm. he comes out expecting the Doctor, doesn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Conveniently, Rory disappears again <laughs> when Amy and Rory, uh, Amy and the Doctor, to speak. I know they do sort of shove Rory around where convenient in this episode a little bit, which I yeah. She hasn't hasn't happened to him recently. Well, and um, that's what I think it, it it jars a bit with last week's because he, you, he gets a bit of a spare part in some of these scenes. This is a nice closing scene. Yeah, and the just, Doctor. Yeah. The Doctor and his TARDIS. The Doctor alone in his nightclub. <laughs> With no friends. Fate Black. And then... Next, next time. time. The return of James Corden. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I, I liked the larger. And it's got Cybermen. Yeah. And Cybermats, even. <laughs> Cybermats? Oh, I haven't seen Cybermats since. It's been Attack of the Cybermen. Was it Attack of the Cybermen? Cybermats have been with Cotton Baker. Because they conspicuously were mentioned in um, the uh, Almost People, and you had uh, the yeah. thing leaping on him there. Oh, of course, yeah, just did, did say about the Almost People. That's right. What does um what does the doctor say that the Minotaur is what's the the creature or whatever that he mentions when it's related to the Nymon which were in uh the horns of Nymon, the Tom Baker story, which wasn't very good according to reputation. I've not actually seen it myself. No, 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 no. Um, ah, I was going to see if it fit in Muff that bingo, that was all. Because mm-hmm. we have an obscure classic series monster gets a reference. Yeah, yes. that counts. So there Definitely. we go. I think that's one we haven't had. <laughs> I think that's the only new one, unless you're taking um, the one I said before, which was um, I can't now find it on my card, but I'm sure it's there somewhere. And I mentioned it before. I can't now find it. Um, oh yeah, throwaway joke turns out to be a significant plot point. Yeah, we had that. Which was the uh, the joking about getting rid of Amy. I think that's it. A lot of the Moffat Bingo ones are related with um, River Song, River Song, yeah. and the Doctor. 
Um, we'll probably making a reappearance at some point. So we'll hopefully complete our, our cards. Uh, Do let us know if early. anyone has got a line, though. I don't think I'm anywhere near I think, a line. Um, Allied, uh, otherwise known as a fig leaf of um, the imagination, uh, had almost got one, I think. Uh, uh, he, he had... He won. Oh, what was his query? His there was one he wasn't quite sure whether it counted, but ah. uh, yes. So someone's getting close. <laughs> so let us know if any of tonight's two helped the uh, complete the line. Yep. Cool. So did anybody's views change particularly a second time round? Or no, I still quite liked it the second time uh, round. The same. Although I still am quite annoyed by the Rory not having any faith. Mm. That still jars. Um, yeah, I th- I think everyone uh, invests in something and has. Yeah, faith I don't in think something. it fits. I think it, I I'm Just very much of the belief that everybody has the faith in something. That was my that, that was my major complaint um, was that because I, I, I thought it was going quite nicely because it's like oh everyone has faith even if it's not just a religious thing it's like yeah. oh everyone can have faith this is going to be really interesting and then no no we didn't mm. but I think I think it's all down to them. Rory doesn't really fit in this storyline. The storyline's about the Doctor and Amy, and there are full scenes mm-hmm. where they... I mean, when the Minotaur comes in the door, Rory is literally glued to the door and they swing it shut. So he's literally physically cut out of the scene. And I think they're just trying to sort of decrease the amount that Rory is significant in this in But this it wouldn't make sense if it's a transition, though, from Amy and Doctor to... as who's mentioned that it mentions Amy Williams to yeah. the move then to Rory, then that would have made sense because that would have been a very good transition of episodes, yeah. setting you up for them potentially not being permanent TARDIS companions mm-hmm. or and then having their life outside the TARDIS. And that and this would have worked fantastically as a link episode in that. Yeah. And I yeah. think it would have fit much better mm-hmm. had you I had know. the faith between Rory and Amy mm-hmm. appearing mutual. Whereas actually it appears that now the Doctor is sort of saying go to Rory, have faith in mm. him and your relationship with him, but we're not getting anything that Rory's got faith in her. In fact, he's directly told that Rory doesn't appear to have any. But then the problem with that is it kind of undercuts the main point of the episode. <laughs> and then it would be interesting to see all, all it would then do, rather than being prescriptive in the sense of be your your kind of, your man the island, rely solely upon mm. yourself. It would be then merely descriptive in the fact that everybody has faith in something. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you could just leave it there, but um, I don't know if I don't know if I was putting it. I would have tried to put something at least tending towards prescription rather than just description. Yeah. So, because that gives you more of an idea to hold your episode around rather than meaning being purely descriptive in that sense. Yeah, because I think. Um the difference between, as it were, good faith and bad faith oh, that's is, definitely is, is, is an interesting thing to explore. And that's what you would have done. Um, yeah. yeah, and it seems to, uh, it does seem to imply that faith can be good, but it also seems to suggest that it's even better to um, yeah. just stand on independently by yourself. And yeah, I think um, that's a bit too uh, individualistic and yeah, a bit silly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. It was an intelligent episode. I didn't quite agree with the sort of theme being suggested uh, mm-hmm. there, 
but I thought it tackled some interesting stuff. It had some good, uh, most of the characters were very good, especially Rita. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it built nicely on last week and also built nicely towards the finale, it seems. Um, I think it, it, it's another strong episode following last week. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked it better than last week. Woo! Um, I actually think this is, this is up there probably with one of the, the first and possibly the second episode of the season, The Doctor's Wife, would be my favourite of the season. It's mm. definitely. I, I, I think it's definitely, um, I'd put it on, on the par with last week's episode. Yeah. As being, um, if not my favourite, then among my favourites of the series. Mm. That's, of course, you speaking from a, from a position that you liked last week's one, yes. which was didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Zarban, I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Zar- Zarban, uh, one of our faithful listeners from Zarban's House of Commentaries, was surprised that we mostly liked uh, the girl who waited. Swiffin is um, keen to emphasise that he didn't like the episode. And the resultant fundamental problems. Emphasis on the word fundamental. <laughs> yes. I've so been using this time. Swiffin's a bit of a fundamentalist when it I comes to problems. Yeah. Whereas... Caleb and I quite liked last week's episode, <laughs> as did James, if you uh, read yes, his latest yes, review, which is uh, up on the blog, I believe. Yes. Uh, so, uh, another so, good ep- uh, another good review, actually. Yeah. But rather gushing. I think more gushing than Caleb and I was, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, Certainly he, more he, than you. <laughs> well, that's generally the case. Yeah, that's and, not hard. Uh, yeah, well, stay tuned. We'll ha- try to get a spoiler-free uh, preview of uh, Closing Time, the next episode, up at the beginning uh, of the week. And we'll have our commentary uh, on that the following Saturday. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please let us know uh, your thoughts. We'd uh, love to hear from you. Um, yeah, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.